If you got your Bibles, we're gonna be in the book of Acts, Acts uh, chapter 16. Just so you know, Acts is the, the Acts of the early church, why we call it Acts. So after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and then he ascended into heaven, he leaves the task to go and make disciples to his followers and what we would then call the church. And so we're gonna see what all in looks like out of a story in Acts 16. Let me pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for how you speak through your word. I pray that as we listen, as we learn from you, as we open your word, God, I pray that we are attentive to you, that we would begin to drown out all the other noises and distractions of our lives, but we would be focused on you, fixated on you. So God, direct the eyes of our heart to be on you. May we be listening for you as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we see, Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul, remember he went from Saul to Paul and now he's a missionary going throughout the, that part of the world and he's stopping in all these different towns, telling people about Jesus, he's planting churches, he's encouraging the existing churches. So he's got a lot of work to do and he travels a lot. So what we're gonna read about is part of that journey. He does several journeys, this is one of his journeys and we notice what the result is of him traveling around. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse five, we hear the result. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. So because of how God is using and moving through Paul, that's the result. Notice it's not these churches just grew numerically, that is part of it, but what comes first is that their faith was strengthened. It wasn't just that they were told a bunch of stuff. It wasn't that Paul went around and just made sure they knew a lot of Bible. It wasn't that they just had to learn things. It was they grew in their faith. Their faith was strengthened. That word strengthened literally means firm. So it's not just sometimes we say, well, we wanna have a strong faith, but what does that really look like? What does that really mean? It's to have a firm foundation with, with, in regards to your faith. It means it's not just strong, it means it can handle the difficulties. It's a mature faith, meaning through the highs and the lows, like what Trace talked about just a few moments ago, that our faith is steady. So this idea of a strong faith, it really boils down to trust. Like if I were to show you what sometimes our faith can look like, sometimes our faith can look like this, where we're relying on God, Right? We're leaning on him, but I'm still keeping my feet firmly on the ground just in case something happens to that chair. Right? So I, I, I do, I trust this chair. I have full faith in this chair. I'm just gonna keep my feet on the ground just in case. And oftentimes we can have that kind of faith, that kind of trust where we trust, we say we trust, but I'm gonna keep my feet right here because you, you just never know when I might need to take matters into my own hands. Sometimes that trust, we, we start playing with that trust just a little bit. We start trusting, we lean back just a little bit, but, but not, not, I'm not fully there yet. Some kind of faith, sometimes I have more faith than others, but, but I'm ready just in case something goes wrong, I, I still am able to, to take care of it on myself. True faith, the faith that we're reading about here in Acts is this kind of a faith, where you're leaning full back. You're leaning into God. You're fully trusting in. If something falls apart, there's no way you catch yourself. There's not a plan B. There's not a backup. There's no taking matters into your own hands. This is what a strong faith 
looks like. Fully dependent on God, fully trusting in Him, fully relying on Him, no matter what. Sometimes we try to think, how do I measure my faith? Right, let me say this to you and then I'll help you kind of understand, I'll explain it. The strength of your faith is measured by the level of your trust in God, that's it. That's how your faith is measured. That's how you know how strong your faith is. If you're like, man, I wanna have a strong faith. Our conversation, if we were across the table, I'd start asking you trust questions. Well, where are you trusting in God right now? Where are you not so trusting in God? What are you nervous about? What are you worried about? I'd start asking trust questions because the true strength of your faith is measured by your level of trust in God. Sometimes we say we have a strong faith. It looks like this, but we say things like, no, I have, I have a really strong faith because I grew up in a Christian home. And, and I grew up and my parents are, they have a strong faith. We have just generations of faith in our family. Our, our family is built on faith, but there's no trust for you personally. So it's based not on your trust, it's based on your family heritage. Sometimes your trust and your faith looks like this, but you'll say, no, no, I have a really strong faith because I go to church more than once a month. I go every Sunday. And what you're saying is not I have a strong faith, what you're saying is you do faith things. You're, you don't necessarily have an active faith, but you do have a faith full of activity. Those are very, very different. Sometimes we say, no, 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 I, I have a strong faith. I have a strong faith because these are my beliefs. And we can rattle off beliefs. You might have a lot of knowledge. You might have a lot of smarts. You might have a lot of scripture memorized. You might know your Bible in and out. You have strong theology, but your feet are still on the ground. You haven't leaned back. You have to understand this part because what we're gonna see next is all built on that definition of a strong faith. Strong faith is when you lean back in him, fully trusting, fully dependent, fully relying on him. Our faith is measured by the level of trust that we place in God, nothing else. Those other things, I'm not saying they're not valuable and they're not important, but they are not a true measure of our faith. Sometimes we feel like we're close to God. We have a feeling that we have a strong faith, but you have to go beyond it and say, am I truly trusting in him? So that's the result of Paul traveling around. Then we're going to see another section of his journey, and you're going to see why even Paul himself needs to have a strong faith built on trusting God as well. Verse six, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Just so we're all clear, Asia, province, province of Asia, not the continent of Asia, I'll explain in a second. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Did you catch all that? That makes sense to everybody. It's almost like me saying before we moved to Georgia, my wife and I, we lived in Roseville, California, down the street from Safeway off of Blue Oaks. Well, you have no context for that. You're like, I, that doesn't help me whatsoever. Most likely me reading this does not help, right? So let me kind of walk you through it. I'm gonna put some maps on the screen so we can understand what this is saying. And you're gonna see something pretty interesting here. So this is modern day Middle East. 
These are the countries as of today. You see the area that I've got circled around Turkey? That's the area, what we would call modern day Turkey. That's the area that Paul and Silas are traveling through. So that circled area, I'm gonna zoom in just a little bit and you're gonna see the New Testament cities. So that's modern day. This is what Acts shows us in regards to the different towns and different cities, the landscape and the area. That area that circled is still modern day Turkey. That's what you just saw. Now, if we were to zoom in just a little bit more, just to that blue circle area, now you're gonna see what we just read. This is where Paul and Silas actually traveled. And you can see it. Right, let me read it again, and I want you to just listen to me, but pay attention to the route. We're told that they traveled through Phrygia and Galatia. You can see those regions there. They could not go to the, to the other side of, of Asia, the province of Asia, because God was preventing them. It says the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in that area. So instead of going in that direction towards the province of Asia, they kept going up and north. Then they started getting all the way around the province of Asia. They get to the borders of Mysia and they're like, well, let's, let's keep going north. It seems to be working. Let's go to the area of Bithynia, which is up north. But again, they were prevented. And so they just keep going all the way around Mysia till they get to the seaport of Troas. So you can kind of see their journey where they wanted to go, but it happened twice. Did you catch that? It happened twice that God prevented them from going a certain direction. Sometimes we think God steps in and intervenes when we're talking like right and wrong, righteous and sinful, good and evil. No, Paul and Silas were trying to preach the good news. They were trying to spread the gospel to all these different areas and God prevented them. God said, no, not that place, not right now. Go this way instead of that way. And here's what I love about seeing how that works and how they had to kind of adjust their own plans and, and move in different directions. I love that because so often, especially as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want full clarity. Well, where are we going? What exactly is it gonna look like? Where are we gonna end up? How long is it gonna take? Like we have these questions of God that if we're honest, are less faith questions and they're more clarifying questions. Right, they're questions that we just need to understand. Now, God, I wanna say yes to you, and I have faith, I fully trust you, but I need to understand these first. God, I have full faith, and I trust you, and I'll go wherever you tell me to go, I will do whatever you tell me to do, but I need to understand these things first. And what we see with Paul and Silas is a distinction between following him and having clarity about what he's doing. And even without full clarity, you can still fully follow. Paul and Silas did not have full clarity. I mean, here they are traveling. They're trying to go into an area that needs Jesus. Oh, and we don't know how they were stopped, whether it was a conviction, whether it was physical barriers, whether it was people not allowing them in. We have no idea how God was able to prevent them, but we're told twice they wanted to do something for God, for the kingdom, and God said, nope. And if I'm Paul, if I'm Silas, I'm thinking, God, like we're doing your work. We're doing the right things. Help me understand. God, would you please explain yourself? But Paul and Silas did not have full clarity, yet they still fully followed. And each time they adjusted. Every time that God said, no, not now, they had to readjust. The same is true for us. We can fully follow Jesus even when we don't have full clarity. When we give our lives to him and we say, I'm ready to fully follow you, I'm ready to be all in, we have the tendency to wanna ask a lot of questions about clarity. Well, 
Tell me all the details first and then I'm all in. Tell me exactly what you're wanting from me and then I'll be all in. Tell me exactly how this is gonna play out. Like what's the result gonna be like? Tell me that and then I will be all in. Proverbs speaks to this, the, the book all about wisdom. Chapter three, verse five, we're told this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. That's literally what we're seeing Paul and Silas live out. To not depend on their own understanding. God, I have no idea why you won't let us go in the province of Asia. We have no idea why you won't let us go north up into Bithynia. Like those people need Jesus. Those people need to hear from you. But I'm not gonna rely on my own understanding. I'm gonna trust you. There's the measure of faith. I'm gonna trust you with all my heart. Feet fully off the ground. Wherever you wanna lead, whatever your reasonings are, I'm all in. So even in the midst of them not having clarity, they continued to seek his will and all they did and God was faithful. He continued to guide their paths. Instead of here, I'm gonna have you go here. This is a, a great working definition of success in the Christian life, right here. To trust in the Lord with all your heart, to not depend on your own understanding, to not have to have full clarity, to seek his will in all that you do. I'm constantly looking, God, what do you want? God, how do you desire? God, where do you wanna send me? God, how do you wanna use me? I'm constantly seeking him, and I'm trusting that he will guide me faith that he will be faithful. Like that's a great working definition for success in the Christian life. But we live in a world that defines success very differently. Based on the world's version of success, Paul and Silas were not succeeding in Acts chapter 16. Because they were trying to do this and it didn't work. They were trying to go to that region and it failed. They were trying to go to this region and they couldn't. So we see oftentimes in the world that we live in, those failures, those challenges, those difficulties lead to a lack of success. Well, it's not working out. Your plan didn't come to, to the result that you anticipated. Your expectations of how this was gonna work are not being met. Like this is really a great worldly definition and description of failure. It's not working the way you thought it should or would work. Oh, but we don't define success by the way our world defines success. Pete Scazzaro, uh, he's, a, he's a pastor, former pastor, does a lot of work with church leaders. Uh, I love how he posted this. This was right off of his Instagram. Here's his redefinition of success as a Jesus follower, and I love these. Doing what God has asked you to do, obedience. Doing it his way and according to his timetable. Just for a second, the life that you're currently living, is it more reflective of this version of success or the world's version of success? Because so often we can be pretty hard on ourselves. Man, this isn't working out and God's not good and God's not faithful and God's not doing what I'm asking him to do because we're basing the result off of a worldly version of success, not that one. And Paul and Silas are doing what God has called them to do. They're being obedient. They're doing it in his way and within his time. So even though we might look at this and say, man, they're not being very successful. This is not going well. According to God's version in his kingdom, they're actually doing quite well. They're following him even when they don't have full clarity. Real quick, one last thing and then we'll move on to the next section. I love the word instead. Did you catch that? Verse eight, here's all the ways that they were blocked. They couldn't go this way, they couldn't go this way. Verse eight says, so instead they went on through to another area. Some of you just need to hear this. The rest of you can tune me out, but maybe a few of you need this. You feel stuck, 
You feel like what you're trying to do isn't working out. You feel like your plans are not working out. You feel like the results you anticipated are not happening. Your word is instead. Maybe God's doing something else in you and through you. Maybe God wants to move you in another way. Maybe God wants to use you in a different way. And so instead of being angry, bitter, resentful, and stuck, your word is instead. I've been trying to do this, but instead maybe he's gonna lead me this way. What is your instead look like? Instead of trying to force it. So instead, what might God be doing in and through you as you rethink what success as a follower of Jesus looks like? All right, verse nine. Here's what happens next. That night, Paul had a vision. Because remember, they're in that, that seaport of Troas. And they're kind of like, I would say a little stuck because they couldn't go back through the province of Asia. God told them not to go north. So they're literally just kind of backed up against the waters. They're like, well, we don't know what else to do. So again, God is faithful in his timing. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, if you're taking notes, circle we, we're going to talk about that. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Real quick, side note. The fact that this was a group discussion is super important, right? So often, and I get this, I get this question periodically just as my role as, as your pastor. I get questions of, I mean, I feel like God is leading me this way. I think God wants me to do this, but I'm not sure, right? I think this or I feel this way, but it's hard to discern if this is really what God is doing and how he's moving and how he's leading me. I'm gonna point you to this. Who's the we that's having this discussion? Right, so Paul could have said, I had a vision, I know exactly what we need to do, let's go. Instead, he had a vision and he talked with Silas, we're even told like it is, Luke is part of this conversation, so it's like, let's have a discussion. I had this vision, what do you think it means? Do you think this is truly from the Lord or is it just a weird dream? Like, let's have a conversation as you're trying to navigate what your next steps are, how God is leading you, where God is moving you, what he's doing in and around you. Bring other people in on that conversation. We are not intended to take those next steps without wisdom, without discernment. And wisdom and discernment, we're told multiple times, is studying God's word. Does that match up with what God's word says? Does it match up with the character of God? But what do the godly people around you say? Have you invited people in to say, man, this is, this is my instead. Like, I've been trying for this and it's not working, so instead I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Would you join me in praying for that? Would you help me discern what's next for me? Would you help me see the wisdom in my next decisions? Don't do those in isolation, do those together. They concluded, they did that together, concluded this is what's next for us. And this is exciting, right? So think of this group of companions that are trying to spread the gospel throughout that part of the world. And now God is actually making a big move. Up until this point, God's message of, of good news, the good news about Jesus, has been kind of kept in that Middle East region, but now Macedonia is across this part and it goes into Europe. So I can show you the next couple maps just to help you out a little bit. They cross over from Troas and they go into what we would now call Europe. Right, you see Greece and Italy, like those areas, they cross over and then they work their way down. If you keep reading through the rest of Acts 16 and on, you'll see that they work their way down to Greece and eventually Athens. Like this is big deal. 
The gospel is being spread outside of just that one region and is now starting to spread to the ends of the earth and it's moving into what we would call modern day Europe. Like that's a big deal. That's exciting for Paul and Silas, Luke and the other companions to actually be able to be part of the gospel spreading beyond these borders. It's really cool. It's really exciting. I do have a problem. I have a little bit of a tension I've been wrestling with. The tension I feel is, that's awesome. God, what a great plan. God, what a great purpose to use your servants of Paul and Silas to spread the good news about Jesus into Europe. Like, that's awesome news. Why in the world did you, did you not tell them that at first? That's my tension, right? If we can go back, let's go back to the other map that kind of showed this route here. Let me point out something. God literally had them go the long way around. Do you see that? The easy route, the easier route that we would say is what Paul and Silas tried to do. They were trying to cut across through the province of Asia and God said, no, you can't go that way. But that's the best, if you want us to go over into Europe, that's the best way to go, God. That's the fastest way for us to get there. Not only that, there's a lot of other big cities on the way. So God, I, I mean, I'm, just hear me out. We can do what you want us to do better and faster if we do it my way. And we're also gonna hit a bunch of other cities that are really big and populated cities, so we'll actually do more good if we do it my way. Instead, God sent them up and around. Do you see a lot of big cities where the line is at? No. God sent them on the scenic route out in the middle of nowhere to wind their way up and over and around to end up at Troas, only to finally get there and God say, oh, I actually want you to go over here. Like, why not the vision before all of that started? Like, wouldn't that made a lot more sense? Like, you can be honest with me. Like, you'd be like, whoa, pastor's getting a little, like, that makes sense though. I'm not the only one, right? If Paul had the vision of somebody from Macedonia saying, come over here at the very beginning, no big deal. But instead, God sent them all the way around without clarity, without, without understanding, and then told them, oh, here's where I want you to go. So here's my question, why? We ask that question a lot of God. God, why this, why that? God, why not like this? I'm pretty sure I'm right, so why are you telling me no? Why are you not answering my prayer in the way that I wanted? Why are you not allowing these results to go the way they're supposed to go? God, I got it all planned out. Why? Why are you leading me in a different direction? Why do you keep redirecting me? Why are you not giving me clarity? Why are you not giving me the end result now? Why not tell me now? Why wait and tell me later? All those why questions. Because God is God and I'm not, I can't fully answer that for you, uh, but I do wanna offer maybe two thoughts and how I personally kind of wrestle through this and truly how I even have some of that tension. The first one goes back to what we read out of verse five, that through Paul, God was strengthening the faith of these churches and of his people. That includes strengthening the faith of Paul and Silas as well, right? It's not just about them, it's also about me. It's about you and how God's gonna strengthen your faith, and remember, a strong faith is only measured by our level of trust. And I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul and I'm having to go all the way around without clarity and without understanding, the less I understand, the more I have to trust in God. 
The less I don't know, the more I have to trust in God. The less things are easy and the more difficult, the more I have to trust in God. Like we would almost use the phrase, the open and closed doors, if you've heard that. Maybe you've even used that, uh, that language to describe how God leads you. Well, there's some open doors and there's some closed doors. In my life, the closed doors caused me to have more faith than the open doors. The times where it got more difficult were the times that my trust had to increase because there wasn't another choice. It's in the difficulties and the challenges. Like in the Christian life, those are actually commodities. Like we, James 1 actually speaks a lot to that. Like, man, consider it pure joy when you go through all these challenges and difficulties. And you're like, why? Why? That doesn't make sense to me. But if you keep reading, he goes on to explain because of what it produces. And what it produces is a stronger faith in you, a stronger faith in me. So for every closed door that Paul and Silas dealt with, I think their trust grew because it caused them to rely more and more on God and less on them, less on their own plans. Predictability and comfort help us trust God less, bottom line. The more predictable things are, the more comfortable things are, the less we need to trust in God. Which is interesting because what do we spend so much of our lives trying to accomplish? Predictability and comfort. I just want things to really start clicking and working and once things start moving and working, then I'll be set. You know, I just wanna like get enough money to get to a place where I'm just comfortable. I don't need, I don't need a lot. I just wanna be comfortable. I'm ready for my life to get to a place where it's predictable and comfortable. Yet God's like, that's not gonna grow your faith. In fact, it's gonna cause you to trust him less, to depend on him less, to need him less. So I'm gonna say something that scares me to say out loud. What if we stop pursuing a predictable and comfortable life? God's desire is that our faith would grow, not that we develop and create a life for ourselves that's predictable and comfortable. So now it starts to make sense. Oh, that's why you were leading Paul and Silas the way that you were. You didn't want things to just be predictable. You didn't want things to get too comfortable. You wanted them to trust in you more. Now that starts to make a little bit of sense. Paul actually reflects on uh, one of his journeys. This is not a reflection on the current journey that we're reading about right now. Uh, it's actually the third one. That's gonna happen later. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and he's saying, just so you know, here's what we've been through on some of these journeys. Listen to this. He said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Remember where they couldn't go? Eventually God will send them to that area and it ended up being really tough. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Look at the result here. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned, we have to learn this, and learn to rely on God who raises the dead. Do you understand the, the impact of what Paul learned? He said, I've been through a lot of challenges and a lot of difficulties, but I learned something in the process. I learned that predictability and comfort don't grow my faith and don't add, my, add to the trust that I have in God. In fact, the opposite is true. The more challenges that I have experienced, the more difficulties I've walked through, the more difficulties and challenges and crises and tragedies that has caused me to learn that I have to rely on God. 
It's not predictable. It should not be predictable and it should not be comfortable. If we intentionally lean into the areas that God wants to grow our faith, it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be difficult. But the goal is for us to fully follow, to be all in and to allow him to grow our faith and our trust in him. So that's one thought. Why did God lead Paul and Silas in this way? To grow their faith, to help them depend more and more on him, to rely more and more on him. There's another suggestion I'd have, another answer of why God, I, I think, did this. God had other plans, bottom line. <laughs> like God has a different plan than you and I do. God has a different time frame and timetable than you and I do. Isaiah, the prophet, actually speaks to this. You might have heard this passage before. Isaiah chapter 55, the Lord speaks and says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Even if we think, God, it would have been a lot easier if you just sent them straight to Macedonia. Just give them a heads up. Tell them that before they go on this roundabout scenic adventure. But he says, no, my ways are so beyond anything you could imagine. Verse nine, for just as the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The reason I bring this up is because we need to be okay. If you're gonna have a, an all-in kind of faith where you're fully trusting in Jesus, you're gonna have to get to this place at some point. We're not gonna do it perfectly, but you've gotta eventually get to a place where you say, God, I'm gonna follow you, period. Not if this matches my expectations and not if the results work out the way that I want them to work out. Not if I have a full understanding and I have full clarity. God, I'm gonna fully follow you, period. Because I don't always understand. Like, are you okay with God redirecting you? Are you okay with God changing your plans? Are you okay if God leads you differently than you would lead you? That's the bottom line on that question. God had other plans. Are you okay with that? Becky is a great driver, my wife. She's a fantastic driver. I'm, and I I'm not just saying that sarcastically. Like, I actually mean it. She's a really good driver. Um, she's never had a ticket. She's only been in one accident, but that was a, another person's fault. And had nothing. She was literally stopped at a stoplight and somebody hit her. Um, so she's a fantastic driver. But can I show you what I look like when she drives? That's what I look like. It's not because she's a bad driver at all. Like I said, I mean, she's a fantastic driver. If you ask any of my kids, they would actually say, mom's a better driver than dad, which is totally uncalled for. I don't think that's true. <laughs> but she is a great driver. I also think I'm a great driver, right? I, I've, I've, I feel like I'm a good driver. I mean, I've, I've only gotten one speeding ticket, only been in one wreck. They were both my fault. So she technically has that up on me. But I'm a good driver. The issue comes down to this. She's a good driver, I'm a good driver. She drives one way, I drive another way. She's a different driver than me. We drive differently. So when I'm driving, it's no problem. I drive the way that I wanna drive. I trust myself to drive correctly, to drive in a safe way. When she's driving, mentally I know she is a good driver. Say it again, Brian. She is a good driver. She cares about your safety. Like, I, I know that in my head, but my actions don't show that, right? I'll be sitting on my side, and I'll be sitting, like, trusting, and then I see a red light way up there, and I start to do one of these. And then I start to lean forward. You see the lights? 
Red light, red light, red light, break, 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 break. And she's like, Brian, I see it. I have seen it. I'm a, I was like, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're a good driver, you're a good driver. Go back, go back. I trust you, you're a good driver. I trust you, you're a good driver. I trust you, you're a good driver. And then we start driving again. And then we don't see a stoplight. Then I see like red brake lights, right? Traffic lights. And as we're going, I start doing this again. And I'm like viewing my three children in the back and I'm like, their lives are in her hands right now. And so I start doing the brake again. That's not on my side. And I'm like, do you see the car slowing down? We're not slowing down. Do you see that they're slow? We should be slowing down if they're slowing down. Why are you slowing down? It happens over and over and over again. It's not because she's a bad driver. I have a control issue for one. (laughs) My name is Brian and I have a control problem. I'm very aware of that. (laughs) But it's because we're different drivers. She drives in a way that I don't drive and I drive in a way that she doesn't drive. Can you trust God to drive even though he drives differently? Can you trust him? Because if you're going to trust, it looks like this. Full trust is what a strong, mature, and grown faith looks like. You know what that requires of us, though? Let me talk to the followers for a second. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me tell you what that requires. And then if you're not a follower, uh, you need to know this before you get into this. Fully following Jesus, being available to be used by him, it starts with this idea of surrender. See, if, we, if I were to try to put one word on Paul and Silas's story here, it would be the word available. God, wherever you wanna take me. God, wherever you wanna send me. God, however you wanna use me. God, if you wanna tell me, if you don't wanna tell me, I'm just available for you. And what a great word for Paul and Silas. We're available, we're available. Oh, this way, no problem, we're available. Oh, over here, we're available. Not over there, got it, we are available. Oh, you don't wanna explain your whole plan to me? No problem, we're still available. That's what all in begins to look like when you fully follow Jesus. You just have this open-handed posture that says, God, whenever, whatever. And I don't have to fully get it. I don't have to fully understand. I don't have to have clarity. I don't have to have the results. I'm following you. But it does require surrender. Being available begins with surrender. Right? If, if you're gonna lean back in the chair of your faith, if you're gonna fully trust as you fully follow, it's gonna require you to surrender some things. Preferences, opinions, control. I'll talk to myself on that one. It's gonna cost you a lot and it requires us to surrender. If you are going to be all in and fully follow him, to be available, to be used by him, It requires us to surrender. I wanna share with you um, my prayers for you. I hope you know that. I pray for you all regularly. Um, Here's been some of my prayers as of recent. There's three of them. Uh, Maybe these become part of your prayers. If not, I just want you to know how I have been praying for you. There's three. Let me put them up here so you can see them. First one, that we as a church would fully surrender so we can be fully available to be used by him. It requires a full surrender before we start to get used by him. If Paul and Silas weren't fully surrendered, then they would say, God, this isn't the right way. We're gonna do our own thing, and we get off track. So my heart is that we would all be fully surrendered to him so that he can do what he wants. Secondly, that our desire as a church, individually, but as a church, is to follow God, not have full clarity and understanding. Sometimes we get caught up on that. No, my my prayer is that we, 
is a group of people that are following Jesus with all of our heart and fully surrendered, but that our desire would be to follow God, not to fully understand, not to fully gain clarity on where he might be leading, but to truly, I just wanna follow God, whatever that means, even if I don't understand. Lastly, that we would pursue a mature or a strong faith, that lean back in the chair kind of faith, that we would have and pursue a mature faith by embracing challenges and difficulties rather than settle for a shallow faith by embracing predictability and comfort. If you're just striving for predictability and comfort, you will have a faith, it will just be shallow. It's gonna be me holding onto the sidebar, trying to call the shot still, because I want comfortable, I want predictable, I want it my way. But if you want a strong faith, if you want a mature faith, you have to be willing to follow him no matter what. So those are my prayers. I have one question I want to ask you too. What step can you take that will require, big word there, require you to trust Jesus more? There's a lot of next steps. I say that a lot. For Paul and Silas, it was following him even when they didn't understand. For you, I'll give you a few, but I want you to be creative in this. Like, I, I feel like I need to apologize as a church, not just here, but just kind of the American church. We've gotten really good at just telling people what to do. Sign up to serve, tithe, love others. Like, we just tell you things and you're like, yes, I've heard that at church. I will go and do what you say, Brian. I'm like, no, wrestle with God, pray, prayerfully consider what would cause you to trust him more. That might be different than me. Some of you have no problem letting your spouse drive. Kudos to you. The best thing I can do to trust more is let my wife drive more. What is it for you? Maybe it is serving. You're like, man, that's just way outside my comfort zone. I don't feel like equipped. I don't feel like I can. That's a great next step for you. Some of you are like, man, I'm already like serving a ton. Do I have to do more? No. What else would cause you to trust in him more? In this church body, outside of this church body. What can you do intentionally to invite, you ready for this? To invite some challenges and difficulties into your life. Because if you truly want to have that lean back, strong, mature faith, I'm telling you, it's not gonna be done through predictability and comfortability. It's gonna be done through challenges and difficulties. So what is your next step as you surrender? What is your next step as you open your hands and say, I'm available? What is your next step in being all in? This next song that we're gonna sing is literally called Available. Here's my, my ask of you during this song. Don't sing the song, pray the song. You understand the difference there? Not just saying, singing the words because you're supposed to sing them. Pray them. This song is intended to be a prayer. So as you pray through this song, you might need to stand. As you pray through this song, you might need to have your hands open wide. As you pray through this song, you might need to open your hands this way. As you pray through this song, you might need to get on your knees. But don't just sing it. Let's pray it. Let me pray for you, and then we'll pray this song together. God, thank you so much for how you move and how you speak. We've said that earlier, but we thank you again. Help us to be fully surrendered. Help us to, to trust you more. Help us to have the kind of faith that is based on nothing else other than our trust in you. So here in this moment, as we pray this song available, we are praying to surrender. God, we ask you to move us and to change us, to challenge us, put us in difficult situations that cause us 
require us to depend more on you. We invite you to grow our faith, Jesus, however that looks. In Jesus' name, amen.